Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, and great to be celebrating with you. And uh, man, we are one week out from Easter. We had a massive celebration last weekend. If you were here with us, man, we made much of Jesus Christ in this place really all weekend long. Good Friday and Sunday, we packed the place out repeatedly. You'll see the numbers in the bulletin there and just uh, huge numbers as we had turnouts here. We packed out 309 and had people all over the place in here in the 9 o'clock and then kept on going for the 11 and the 4.30. So praise God for that, man, as we rally together to make much of the fame of the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and hear me, man, we're celebrating. We are in a victory march with him. We are making much of Christ. And in the middle of our reflection on all that we have in him, we grasp this. We have victory over sin. As he went to the cross and he died for us, he allows forgiveness of sin. And we have victory over death. We're looking at that today. What does that even mean and how does that work? And man, how do we have victory over death? We're going to see the details of that today. We get to have victory in this world as he transforms us one degree at a time. And we get to have victory for all of eternity. And uh, those are the weeks that we're going to be walking through. And then we're also doing a uh, baptism service. And uh, super excited to be getting after that. That'll be on April 22nd coming up. So uh, get ready. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and if you have not been baptized, man, we want to get you plugged in, all right? And excited to make that part of this Victory March series. So April 22nd, that's coming up just a couple of weeks out. We'll talk more about that next week. But uh, at least want you to know that your testimony could be a part of the celebration of this Victory March we have in him. And uh, please hear me. We are celebrating the risen Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. and today we're looking at what it means to have victory over death because of that. And uh, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 20. The first point, he is risen. All who believe will experience victory over death. He is risen. All who believe in Jesus Christ, all who believe that he has risen from the dead, man, they will experience victory over death. And uh, as we jump in here, starting in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And, uh, he starts out, but in fact, and just remember, you're always, when you look at a passage, it's within context. And so you have to know what's been going on right before it. Paul has been talking about the resurrection. And there are Pharisees and there were Sadducees, and they were disagreeing with each other about whether there was a resurrection, about whether there would be life after death. And, and there was some talk going on about it. And Paul's like, man, I'm just telling you, we are certain that there is. And uh, if there isn't, well then... What's this resurrection of Jesus Christ thing all about? And so he was walking through the truth of resurrection and the hope that we have of life after death in this world, that there is a life eternal that can be had. And then he's talking about Christ and his resurrection. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Like there is resurrection proof, Jesus Christ, he is risen from the dead. He is alive. And while he died on the cross for our sins, he did more than just die for me. He rose again. He is God Almighty. There is hope 
and there is life in him. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits, like this is a preliminary installment. First fruits. Like this is something that is just an indication of the blessing that is to come. There is so much more to come. Christ is but the first fruits, the taste of the first resurrection. And you might be like, hang on, there were other guys that were resurrected even before him. There was like Lazarus, he came back from the dead. And there were several people that were brought back from the dead. And please hear me though, when they came back from the dead, they came back into their same body. Same physical body, same physical weaknesses, and they again tasted of death and passed away later in their life. And uh, has anybody met Lazarus? Right? No. Right? And Lazarus, he passed away again. And we need to make sure we understand that while there was resurrection, that was back into the same physical body, still captured into that same physical death. There was a limitation. But Jesus Christ... When he was resurrected from the dead, he came back with glorified, perfect body that would last for all eternity. Everybody say that's super important. That's super important that we grasp. First, to be resurrected into a glorified body, he is the first fruits among. He is the promise of the glory that is to come. Man, there is blessing upon blessing that we get to taste of. And while Jesus Christ was brought back into a perfect glorified body. So we are going to taste something similar. And we have a hope. And he says, Jesus Christ, he was the first fruits among those who have fallen asleep. Among those who have fallen asleep, a very polite way to say among those who have died. Uh, Looking at death as very temporary. Like falling asleep, it's so temporary. That's super important in this passage that we grasp how temporary death is in light of eternity. And uh, he's like the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, everybody say that's Adam. Okay, this is Adam. This is Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, and the creation of the first man and first woman. And in Genesis 3, there was this rebellion moment that took place as Eve first bit the apple and then shared it over to Adam, and then Adam participated in that sin as well. And in the midst of that moment, there was then a collapse, and death was brought into this world. And uh, maybe just a little moment of theology here. Please note that Eve was the first to bite the apple, and yet it does not say that through Eve came. uh, Make sure you grasp that headship matters. And when headship made the decision, then the full collapse occurred. This sits on Adam. It is his falling that brings the death. Now, here's the deal. We could be like Adam. He blew it for the rest of us, you know? Really, he's made it kind of hard on us. And, but the reality is, if it was any one of us, we would have made the same decision. It was about a fallen man. And uh, as he looked back from his perfection, right? Can you imagine being fallen and looking back into what you had tasted of that was perfect just minutes before? Can you imagine that feeling? And uh, And we've all been there in our own lives where we've made decisions and we look back and we go, what was I thinking? And uh, what was I doing? And man, Adam, representing humanity well, made a decision that any one of us from perfection would have fallen also. 
And Adam brought in this death. Uh, Scripture says real clearly in Genesis chapter 3 that there is punishment that is being given. There is a cost for that sin. And one of the first statements made is that there is now a death that is brought in. There is a struggle and a suffering and a heartache in this world. And all of God's people said, man, this world is fallen and it's fallen because of man's sin choice. And uh, Adam, he ushered in the brokenness of this world. He ushered in the pain of this world and he ushered in then what would be the penalty of death. And uh, man, as I was going through this passage this week, I was wrestling and studying through the, the hope that we have of that death being covered and managed by Christ, and I was like beginning to get all fired up about the passion of the death being managed and the penalty being covered eventually in Christ, and, and um, thought I had it down pretty well, and God was like, I don't think you understand. I'm going to help you out a little bit. So this morning when I got up, I, uh, I went to make the bed, and I turned the corner, and I clipped the edge of the bed with my baby toe, and uh, right, thank you for that. Thank you for joining me in my pain. And, uh, and I, it was one of those moments where I hit the bed, I fell down onto the bed, and I'm waiting for the pain. You know how it hits, and it hurts, and then you wait a little, and then it kind of subsides. And then there's the other time where you hit, and it hurts, and then you wait a little, and then tears start coming to your eyes, right? I was in one of those moments, and I'm like, come on! And uh, I had to change out shoes. I couldn't wear that shoe. That toe, like, swelled up right away on the joint. And so if you notice me limping, just remember, it's Adam's fault, <laughs> And uh, we are in a broken world, and uh, man, (laughs) there is a penalty that has come, and uh, death is the cost of sin. It says, for as by a man came death, and then by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Everybody say, that's my Jesus. That was totally weak. Everybody say, that is my Jesus. You've got to be kidding me, man. We have life, and we have life eternal. We have hope through Jesus Christ. What we do ushers in no hope, but what he does ushers in life eternal. Jesus Christ, through the one man, Adam, came sin, but through the other man, Christ, came the end of that, came the resurrection from the dead. It says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, in case you thought I was making up that it was Adam and Christ. There's a little clarity, right? And uh, for as by Adam came the death piece, and so through Christ we all get to be made alive. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and trust in him, we have hope in him, we have life in him, we have eternity in him. It says, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, but each in his own order. And uh, first... Jesus Christ. He's the first fruits. He's the first to be resurrected back to this glorious body. He's the first to be able to taste of that experience, to know what it is. He is the beginning of our hope. Jesus Christ, he has already tasted of being glorified. And he has a glorified body. And for those who pass away, their soul goes to heaven. If they believe in Jesus Christ, soul goes to heaven. And there are many in the heavens, in paradise, with Christ. Okay, but not with glorified body. Hang on, that's coming. Jesus Christ is there with glorified body. He's the first fruits. The rest are souls in heaven or souls separated from God for eternity. 
And the body thing is going to be managed in a little bit. And we're going to see in this passage how it gets managed. So Jesus Christ, he is the first fruits. And the rest then, well, we'll be able to declare this victory at the coming. At the coming for those who belong to Christ. And it'll be when Jesus Christ returns. When he comes back to this place, when he's setting things right, at the end of time, when he's like, that's it, it's done, the rebellion is over, I'm putting this thing to rest, it is time for this to be celebrated. At that point in time, then we have hope. It says literally, each one, according to his order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. If you trust in Jesus Christ, you will be able to experience your soul perfection and then your body glorified and married together with your soul for all of eternity. He is literally taking this broken world and one soul at a time, one broken body at a time, he is restoring us up. That's his goal. And there will be a perfect world in the future with him. And there will be perfect souls and perfect bodies and God doing all the healing work. And all of God's people said, and that is a huge deal. And so while we struggle in this world and we have pain in this world and we have heartache in this world and we currently see death in this world, know this, God has it in hand. And as he is restoring us one degree of glory at a time in this world, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but he restores us one degree of glory at a time in this world, little change at a time, a little more change at a time in our soul. At the same time, scripture says our body is wasting away. The physical is collapsing, but the soul is being transformed by him. And all of a sudden, when we pass away, there is an immediate perfecting of the soul and your soul experiences something so glorious and so amazing, and it lasts for all eternity. Praise be to God. But it's not just your soul. Eventually, at the end of this world, when Christ deems it the end of time, and he comes and returns for his second coming, man, I'm telling you, in that process, in that end times, there will be the moment where those who are believing in Christ are captured up, and their bodies are transformed. And We'll see more of that. A little bit more here. He says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. After he destroys every rule and every authority and every power. Uh, know this, every demon and every demon ruler put in their place. Amen. Every human and every human ruler Put in their place. Jesus Christ will reign. He is putting it all in hand and he has this in hand. Man, I'm telling you, if you look back at the first coming of Christ and you're like, seemed kind of weak, hang on. I'm telling you, he is coming with full authority. In Revelation 19, he is going to put everything in its rightful place. Christ will reign. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is God Almighty, and he has full authority. And his final spoken word will end it all. Praise be to God. And the end, amen, man. Amen, man. The story of Easter is not the end point. 
It's the beginning point. And Christ's second coming will be a massive celebration of the greatness of our God, establishing perfection for all of eternity. Can not wait. I cannot wait to celebrate this broken world done. And Jesus Christ in his rightful place. May God get all the glory. Each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. Praise be to God. It says, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. How many enemies? Don't forget it. Standing against Jesus Christ. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. I agree with you. And that Jesus Christ, he will reign for all of eternity. It says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death will be no more, man. And every visitation and every funeral is behind us and in the rearview mirror. Praise God. And we never again hurt and miss a loved one. And we never again long for this pain to be gone because it is. There will be victory over death. Jesus Christ declaring it completely and fully. Praise be to God. Man, can you imagine these words being penned and then you think back to the cross and what the disciples were seeing as they thought he was going to be the Messiah who would usher all of that in, not at his second coming, but at his first coming. They thought it was all coming down then and it was all going to happen under him then and it was all going to be so awesome to see right at that point and all of a sudden they see him on the cross and then they see him breathe his last and then they hear him say, it is finished. And then they see him taken off to be put in a tomb. And man, it certainly seemed like it all was over. And uh, this was the upset of all upsets. And, uh, but Christ would return with such authority and power. The defeat would be so stunning. The defeat in that moment and then the defeat that would last throughout all of eternity. Praise be to God. And I got to tell you, you know, I've uh, been watching a lot of March Madness this past month. Love watching March Madness, mostly because uh, the first two rounds are just so uh, unpredictable, you know. And uh, this year, oh, wow, unpredictable. And uh, just amazing all that's been going on. And for those of you who have watched March Madness, you're like, no kidding, man. For those of you who don't, you're like, move on, right? I get it. I know that there's a lot of fans maybe not in this room, and I get that. And uh, I would just say this, March Madness, this was a year where the 16 seed beat the 1 seed for the first time ever in March Madness history, ever. 16 seed beat the 1 seed. What does that mean? It means the worst team in that bracket beat the best team in that bracket. And there's such a discrepancy in their skill set that it never happens, never, ever, ever, except this year, right? And this was the first year it happened. There was amazing upsets all over the place. Buzzer beaters everywhere where it looked like it was done. But then, right, my favorite one was probably the Michigan game in the second round when their 
uh, down by a point or two. I can't remember how much, but down by a, a point or two. And as he dribbles down court, throws it over to a freshman. And this freshman kid jumps in the air and his legs are sprawling. And he chucks this deep three and nothing but net. And the place goes nuts. And everybody's running all over the place celebrating. And this kid's running around and, and ends up settling down. And a bunch of people kind of rally around. And they're grabbing each other. And they fall on the ground. And there's this huge celebration. And the cameraman pans back and down. And one of the opposing players, one of the Houston players, was laying on the ground with his head down, weeping. And beyond it was the massive celebration going on. And you need to know that's exactly what happened when Christ rose from the dead. That as you pan back, all of a sudden the demons are getting a picture of what was really going on. And they have lost. And there is a celebration beginning to take place like never before. And I'm just telling you this, the celebration is going to continue on into eternity. And we're going to be able to celebrate the victory beyond victories. And it's not just that one, but Christ returning as king and putting it in place. Know this, it looked like certain defeat, but there is victory. Praise be to God. There is victory over death. There is hope eternal. Simple question, man. Are you celebrating the victory that Christ has provided and the eternity and certainty that we have in that hope? Are you euphoric in your celebration of the challenge and the win that comes in Jesus Christ? And make sure you recognize that you have victory over death and it's coming in our future. Praise be to God. Number two, he is risen. Hope in your eternal future. He is risen. Hope in your eternal future. And turn with me over to verse 50 now. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. I just wanted to close out this passage here and wrap the two together. They're so poignantly attached to each other, okay? So starting in verse 50 here, hope in your eternal future. It says, I tell you this, brothers, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I tell you this, brothers. Everybody say that means the saved ones. Okay, brothers, that's the ones who are believing in Jesus Christ. They're saved. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Did you know that? This physical body is not going to be in heaven. Did you know that? Like this broken down stuff that we're carrying around is not going to be the thing that claims eternity. He's like, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And it's not about the humanity of us. It's about the divine work of God in us. It says, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And just so you know, these bodies are wasting away. And that is a punishment of sin along the way. And God's got a plan to put a restoration in play. There needs to be an imperishable that moves into the imperishable kingdom. The goal is not to move these broken down bodies in there. The goal is to move something way better. So he says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, right, check it out. That word always means check it out. Watch what's being said next. It's stunning. Uh, behold, I tell you a mystery. So in other words, in the Old Testament, this wasn't quite crystal clear, but underneath Jesus Christ and then now especially with Paul, it's being made clear. There was something not clear that now is clear. 
There is a mystery. It says, we shall not all sleep. And uh, that does mean die. He's like, we shall not all die and remain just physically dead. That's not the plan. There's something way bigger than that. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For those of you who don't know what a twinkling is, that's literally just a blink, right? So as you're sitting there, just go ahead and do the fast blink, and you're changed forever. That's how fast it's going to go. In a twinkling of an eye, in the blink of an eye, we shall all be changed. It says, at the last trumpet. And I love that statement. Just so you know, God takes ceremony for real. In a big way. Ceremony is a big deal. And he loves the celebration. Trumpet is something he uses often. In fact, he guided the Israelites with their feasts that happen in the fall. There's several different ones that include trumpets. The declaration made by the trumpet is this. We often think of it as, hey, here comes a new thing. And just so you know, that's not it. The trumpet is actually declaring, done with that old thing. The trumpet is looking back and saying, done with that. The old is over. So when you get to the New Year celebration in the Jewish calendar, Rosh Hashanah, they're looking back to the last year and saying, it is done. We are giving a new year to him now. The old is over. The trumpet blast was a celebration of what is finished. The celebration of also this, not just what is finished, but of the very presence of God. The trumpet blast meant, welcome in the presence of God, and the old is done. And that's what's being said every time there is a trumpet blast being brought, that there is some thing that is over, and there is some presence of God that will be experienced. Praise be to God. And he's like, just so you know, at the last trumpet, like I'm just telling you, from then on, you will be in the presence of God for eternity. Praise be to God. There will be an eternity with him that does not ever turn. And so it's the last trumpet. And uh, he says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. The ones who have died, their bodies in the ground, remember their soul, when you pass away, if you trust in Christ, goes to heaven. But in this moment, with the trumpet blast, there will end up being this moment where the souls are coming down and the bodies are being resurrected, glorified now. Praise be to God. Glorified, perfect, not like Lazarus, broken down, still going to taste death. Glorified. And those are brought up and soul and glorified body married together as fast as you could blink. Wham! That's done. And that's those who have died. It says that when the trumpet sounds, the dead will be raised imperishable, and then we shall be changed. The ones who are standing, who are remaining alive, you, in that moment, if you are there and you have not passed away, in the moment that you blink, your soul is perfected, your body is glorified, and you are being captured up. That's what's going on. There is a moment where this process of struggle and pain and change along years and years of life is done. And in a blink, the power of God is unleashed and souls are being perfected and bodies are being glorified and there is a marrying together and a celebrating like you could not 
believe. That's what we have coming. Praise be to God. A master miracle work from the power of God Almighty. It says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And uh, for this broken down thing has to become glorified. It says, for this mortal body must put on immortality. And uh, can you imagine that moment? Literally, like you're limping around, you just broke your toe on the bed. (laughs) Done. Perfection. And I'm just telling you, glorified in a stunning way. And all of us tasting of what it should have been. But we chose ourselves instead. And praise be to God, he brings reconciliation and he brings hope and he brings restoration. And the pain is done. And the perfection is on forever. He says, yes, this mortality needs to put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass this saying. So uh, please hear me. The saying is not true because of at the time of the cross and the resurrection. It's not back at the time of Christ 2,000 years ago. It's true that it will come. It is hope future. Okay, it's true that it will come. And when is it declared as true? It's declared as true when we are clothed with glorified bodies. When the death is actually done. When there are no more visitations and when there are no more funerals and when there is nothing but worship for eternity. And all of God's people said, and this is the phrase that gets said, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You have nothing. And the last enemy of God, death, has been put to rest. It is over, man. Praise be to God. Amen. Don't lose track of this, man. Don't go out of this room today and be like, forgot what we were talking about. Don't lose it. Death will be put to rest forever. And we get to declare the punishment that was rightly due us is gone because of Jesus Christ. Because of his love, because of his passion, because of his power, we have hope. All of God's people say, hope. Death, you ain't nothing. You should meet my God. He is stunning. And he's going to put this all in hand, not because we deserve it, but because he does. It says in the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. And uh, just so you know, in this world, sin and death, very real and very powerful. And sin has its grip and death is the cost. And law, well, that just makes it clear that we're accountable. It points out where we're wrong. And he's like, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But, always read your scriptures carefully. Thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope. Everybody just say hope. hope. We have hope. Hope that this broken world is on a time clock and it 
will end. Hope that Jesus Christ is going to reign eternal. Hope. We have hope that he is going to do a work in us that we could never do. And it will last forever. Our souls glorified and perfected. Our bodies glorified and married together. And the perishable has put on the imperishable. Only God can do that work. And Satan is lost. And rebellion is done. And death is behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. There is nothing but glory and perfection as we look forward. Praise be to God. We have hope. And the catch is we have that hope. When? When the last trumpet sounds. And I'm just telling you all too often we read the scriptures and uh, we don't let that settle in. And I want us to really get a grasp of what that means. So I'm going to ask Matt to come on out. We've got one of our worship team guys here who actually plays the keyboards as well. But when he was in high school, he played the French horn. And he's got a lot of skill set making trumpet sounds. And I have none. And so we'll have Matt. And uh, so Matt's got a shofar. This was a gift that was given to me. This is what they would typically blow. Uh, this is a short so far. It's a little over a foot long. There are ones that are about 48 to 50 inches long. They bring a much deeper resonating sound. But this is ones that you might see them walking around with and carrying. Just so you know, every fall when the trumpets are blasted, these things are being played out by rabbis all over the place in Jerusalem. This is echoing through the city. I firmly believe this. When it says the trumpet sounds, I really believe that this is attached to one of those feasts that's going to be coming in the fall. And I don't know which fall it's going to be. God knows that. That's his. But I believe at some point there's going to be a celebration of the harvest being brought in and this uh, celebration of first fruits not only being done, but the whole of it being done. And there will be trumpet blasts taking place. And I think that's when this is going to happen. And uh, I'm just telling you, trumpets all over the city making the sound. So everybody close your eyes for a second. And imagine... That all of a sudden, there is the blowing of the trumpets to celebrate, and it sounds like this. Amen, man. Give us one more blast. Give it as long as you got, Matt. Ready? Listen. And that is the announcement that it is done. It is done, man. Jesus Christ. He reigns over all. You have been glorified in the blink of an eye, perfected. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Hear me, man. God is going to be celebrating with the trumpet announcement. Don't miss it. One more time, Matt. Drill it into our heads. And we get to celebrate forever. Imagine that being blasted by angels, by rabbis, by humans, all over the place celebrating. And all of a sudden, God says, you're not kidding. Bring that trumpet. I'm bringing it to bear right now. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks, man. That is hope. And don't lose it. God's got a plan in the middle of this broken world. And whatever pain you're tasting, trust me, 
It's coming to a close. And we have perfection ahead of us. Praise be to God. Simple question for you. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? And if you hope in the things of this world, you will experience hopelessness. But if you hope in Jesus Christ, you will always be satisfied. Where is your hope? There is certain victory in Jesus Christ. Are you locking in with him? Okay. And then the last verse here, 58. Point number three, he is risen. Live on fire for Jesus Christ. Live on fire for Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, right, what's the therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word. It's connecting us back. We just got done hearing about victory and hope and future and perfection and, and, and because of that. And, you know, there was a town a number of years ago that was informed that there was going to be a lake created right where their town existed and that they were going to be flooded out. People were paid for their homes and for their properties. And, uh, but they were like, just so you know, this is going to become a floodplain and this is going to end up being uh, actually a lake made right here. And this town is done. And over the next month or two, you can imagine that things just started to erode around the place because, well, why go mow the lawn? It's going to be gone in six months, right? And uh, why go trim the hedges and why go plant some flowers and why fix the roof? Who cares? It's going to be gone. And, and people began to try to sell out and move out as fast as possible in the town. This is a true story. It became like a ghost town pretty fast. And things just became dilapidated. Nobody's painting houses. Nobody's fixing anything up. Everything just started going. And there was garbage left around. And there was a mistreatment of the property. Why? Well, because there was no hope. There was no future and it was certain and so they were done. And man, if we live in a world of hopelessness, a call to action is worthless. Why would I do anything? It's hopeless. Paul's like, let me get this clear with you, men. There is hope. Jesus Christ, he's going to be doing it. I'm not talking hope like we use the word hope. You know, like, oh, I hope so. Like, not that. We say not that. I don't know what we did, but we just crippled the word hope to a point where it's not hoping in anything. We're like, I'm wishing so. I'm dreaming so. Wouldn't it be nice if? That's not what it means. It means I am absolutely confident and certain of this. I am certain that Jesus Christ has it. And I know that he's got it in hand. I hope with all I've got. And man, with that hope, then, comes this absolute call to action. And a call to action only makes sense where there is hope. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, everybody say that means they're saved. To those saved and trusting in Christ, be steadfast and immovable. Man, take your position and do not be pushed off of it. Don't let any whisper from the pit of hell grasp you. Don't let any play from another person move you. Take your stand for Christ and hold your ground. Be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Make sure that your goals and your roles and your daily talk is about Jesus Christ. 
Make sure that you are moving throughout your day saying, not just what does it mean for me to do this for my job, what does it mean for my comforts, but what does it mean for the glory of my God? He has this in hand. May my work be abounding in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Please note this. It does not say knowing your labor is not in vain. It says knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. In the Lord, your work is not in vain. Everybody say, in the Lord. Because he's the one who has it in hand. Okay? May it not be about us trying to make a name for ourselves. May it not be us trying to somehow glorify a group of people. May it be us glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. In the Lord, your labor is not in vain. He has it in hand. We are working with and we are celebrating the King of kings and Lord of lords who will put it all perfect. Are you willing to partner with him? And all of God's people said, and that's the call. Do not move. He's got it. Celebrate him with all you've got. The trumpet will blast and the work will be declared done. He is glorifying our bodies. He is perfecting our souls and we have eternity with him and the brokenness of this world that was ushered in by our sin will be finished. Praise be to God. And there will be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain. I think that even means no more stubbing of your toes on the bed. <laughs> I think it means that. Absolute glory and perfection because of Jesus Christ. There will be victory over death. 